Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello. Hello, Haley. And I should say welcome back to you as well. We we haven't yeah. spoken uh, officially on the podcast in quite some time. It is the end of August in uh, the year 2021. And it's been a little while since we put something out, but um, we're excited to come back with uh, playing around with formats and, and plans. We're but we also wanted to acknowledge that we've been away for a little while. Yeah, we uh, for our own mental health, we decided that we should, you know, record a little bit later and spend some time with our families and enjoying what little bit of summer we got. Um, and so we decided to take that break, and now we're back on it. And this isn't going to come out for a while, but like Ryan said, we're at the end of August. Yes. So whenever you're hearing this, um, we're, we're grateful that you've returned with us to listen to the show. And we're going to be coming back covering um, probably over the course of multiple episodes, the mm-hmm. HBO drama In Treatment. And we're going to be doing this a little bit differently than other TV shows or other pieces of media we've covered because In Treatment kind of goes chronologically, it it jumps around in between the therapist's patients. But we thought it would be interesting to kind of cover it individually in terms of uh, case studies. So Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Brooke Taylor sees several patients over the course of the most recent season four. And for this episode, we're going to be focusing on Eladio, who is a uh, home health aide that uh, Dr. Taylor is seeing over the course of six episodes in the fourth season. Yeah. And to everybody who answered our Instagram poll about how they would like us to handle in treatment, thank you for engaging. That was a blast. And you guys by far told us that you'd prefer us to go by patient rather than by uh, week of therapy. Um, So thanks for that input. And we heard you and we're doing it. Yeah, and and I think this is going to be also a unique conversation for us because we get to really get into the weeds of therapy and talking about the specific uh, interactions that we're seeing between therapist and patient and and what lessons uh, <laughs> people should be learning or hopefully not yeah. learning in some cases about what it's like to be in therapy and, and what it's like to be a therapist as well. Absolutely. So with that, Haley, should we go ahead and jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And after that, we will jump into in treatment. Hey, everyone. Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi. Say what's up. Request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode.
Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. In treatment, after more than a decade off the air, the Golden Globe winning series returned with Dr. Brooke Taylor as the psychoanalyst. Her task helped her patients navigate a variety of modern concerns, including the global pandemic and shifts in the social and cultural landscapes. But she has her own complications in her personal life to deal with while helping her patients with theirs. So, Haley, I I think one of the things I was most excited to talk to you about, and I didn't even realize that the show was going to be portraying this, was that it jumped in with telehealth. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely jumped in. Yeah, we got to see a therapist uh, do telehealth with her patients because of the pandemic and that it was, you know, living, as the episode summary said, in the modern world. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. It definitely addressed some of like the main problems that come with conducting telehealth, which I thought was was great and a good portrayal for, you know, everybody who's been doing and receiving therapy over this past two years. Right, because uh, I would say the vast majority of therapists, a lot of people that I've talked to have had to uh, transition into telehealth in some form, Mm -hmm. and it's not always a a comfortable transition, sometimes for the therapist or the patients. You know, sometimes, obviously, it makes some things easier, like Mm -hmm. in a lot of Yo's case, he was able to do therapy from his bedroom, from his, what his bedroom is and his office is, is also his, uh, his residence, I should say, uh-huh. where he works as a home health aide. Uh-huh. And it certainly creates a, an interesting dynamic in some ways in that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I think it does blur the boundaries that we're obviously we're going to talk about between Dr. Taylor and Eladio, where all of a sudden there's this sort of like access to that person that... Mm-hmm is not locked into an office space, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think part of that comes from the fact that she doesn't create these boundaries that that is the space, right? Because it's definitely able, you're definitely, even with telehealth, able to kind of maintain the boundary of a session. Um, She doesn't do that. Like I think one of the lines she said to him was "Um, call me whenever you need me or something like that. Yep. And I would never say that to a patient. Now, granted the way that she spoke about it later sounds like she is a therapist that does take crisis and emergency calls, which I am not one of those therapists. Yeah. I was going to say we should talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that that definitely there creates a little bit of a blurred line in and of itself because who gets to decide what the emergency is, right? So that's um, that's an interesting piece. But I think you're right. Like I think having that physical boundary does kind of allow for a little bit less direct communication about the boundary of the space. But with telehealth, you definitely need more of that. Well, yeah. And and like you said, she kind of opens up the lines of communication to be, you know, call me whenever. And Eladio calls, um, right? He's he's out in the the pool yard at one point. It's very clearly in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And it it didn't, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm I'm recalling this is one of the earlier episodes with Eladio. He wasn't necessarily in crisis. 
No, not at all. <laughs> right, right. He just kind of wanted to talk, and uh-huh. and Dr. Taylor obliged him of that request. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. see very early on in this relationship that it, and, and they they kind of start to acknowledge it over time that there's this sort of surrogate mother dynamic being established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we'll definitely get into how boundaries are a huge issue in this particular relationship between Eladio and Dr. Brooke Taylor, because it'll come up a lot. But to kind of, before we jump into that, to kind of stick with that idea of like the problems with telehealth, I think there's so many pieces of it, in addition to kind of her answering whenever. She also like repeatedly called him at one point, which is one thing. So he just like hung up on her at one during one of their during sessions. Session. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a problem with telehealth is, you know, if a patient in your office decides that they're done, they get up and the, they walk out the door. You can choose to follow them. Right. Sure. Like <laughs> they, the ending of the session isn't forced when it comes to telehealth they have entire control over cutting off that communication. And, you know, he really does it that one session. And then because of her boundary stuff, she like repeatedly calls him that day. But yeah, that, you know, that office space does allow for like a lot of interactions that a telehealth office does not offer. Right. And yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of complications with it. And we see that, you know, Eladio kind of takes advantage of those blurred lines. Mm-hmm. And he acknowledges there's there's something that he's looking for potentially from Dr. Taylor that he knows he's missing out on, right? From whether it's from his previous relationship with his mother, things he's missing just from his life in general, because he does live with this family that he works for as a home health aide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we start to see these aspects of transference, which for people who who don't know, Haley, would you be comfortable sort of defining transference for us? Oh, my gosh. Let me try. I'm not a psychoanalyst, but I can give like a general description of it. I'm I'm happy to do it also. Yeah, sure. So transference is basically what I would describe as um, behavioral and relational patterns or like gaps or needs that a patient has that they kind of put on the therapist and try to get those needs met through the therapist. So in Eladio's case, he has a lot of abandonment issues and a lot of issues with his mother. And so he tries to get Brooke to fill that motherly role for him. Right. And 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 some of the ways that she uh treats him and supports him are some of the ways that he is expressly feeling like he's missing uh in, yeah. in a sort of mother figure in his life. Yeah. And they actually talk about Dr. Taylor being a surrogate mother to him at one mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And she even describes it in one of the sessions, I think it's week two, she describes maternal transference. So she actually Mm -hmm. says to him, like, this is what's happening here. Um, What she doesn't address in that session that she does address, I think, in the last session is counter transference. And I think that that in this relationship is equally, if not more important to define if you want to take that one. Uh, The counter transference? Yes. Yeah. So um, and this is something that that uh, Dr. Taylor 
probably I would hope notices in in herself, but doesn't really come to the to fully to the surface at least not in her expressly acknowledging it until really the end of their relationship. Because for Dr. Taylor, the counter-transference would be essentially transference from the therapist to the patient. So for the Mm -hmm. therapist, the patient um, eliciting relationship dynamics that they would have experienced in their own life. So for Dr. Mm -hmm. Taylor, we know about her that she had given up a child Mm -hmm. earlier in her life. And as a result, we also know that Eladio is around the same age that her son uh, is mm-hmm. or would be. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and she puts it in Eladio being Eladio. In other words, like she experiences Eladio as a son, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that they kind of communicate with each other. Yeah. Because they have a lot of shared interests. They have yep. really good rapport. Inside jokes. Yeah. 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 Which is wonderful. I remember repeatedly thinking like if she had better boundaries this rapport would be beautiful for sure but because she doesn't have those good boundaries it's dangerous because it bleeds into that mother son friend category which is problematic and an example of countertransference is at one point he says why like he asks her why she wants him to do something and she goes because i told you to and I was like, oh, my God, that's like, is she his mom? Like, what's happening? <laughs> and and yes, that's exactly what happens is he pulls this, like, motherly instinct, this desire to be a mother out of her, and she acts on it instead of acknowledging it and, like, not letting it interfere with the therapy. Right. And then the other sort of strongest example of countertransference between Dr. Taylor and Eladio would be in the second to last episode between mm-hmm. the two of them where she just comes out and reacts to him and yells at him. Not a typical interaction between therapist and patient. And she almost immediately acknowledges and and apologizes Uh for her behavior in that moment. But clearly, Mm -hmm. even if she was you know, in that moment, let's say disagreeing with his perspective on her feedback mm-hmm. to him, that sort of emotional reaction is coming from a place likely of countertransference where Oh, absolutely. Right. He's acting, you know, in a way that a adolescent or young adult son might uh-huh. act towards their mother who was giving them, you yep. know, life advice. This is what essentially what he mm-hmm. was looking for. And in that exact moment, she says to him, I don't like the way you're talking to me right now. Yeah. So there was a buildup of that. That was. Yeah. 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 Which is like such a mom line. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She needs to be more aware of herself in the sessions with Eladio. And I did cheat a little bit and I have watched some of the other patients and she doesn't quite do that so much with them. So this is not her tendency across the board. It is truly a transference, counter-transference relationship happening. Yeah. And I think it's, but at the same time, it's a, it's a valuable one as, as a, maybe a, for a place for us to kind of start our examination of this show, yes. because I think people might watch a show like this and see the kind of relationship and go into a relationship with their own therapist with these sorts of expectations of, oh, oh like gosh. if I need to, I could call my therapist in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And, and to be clear, um, most therapists will in their sort of evaluation process, 
give you explicit instructions on how to reach them, when they can be reached, sort of how all mm-hmm. those things should work. And we can assume, and I think you, you sort of noticed, you noted that she does say something to the extent of call me anytime, mm-hmm. which is not a super clear boundary because that could no. mean, you know, oh, I'm just bored, just wanted to see what my therapist was up to. And that's sort of, you know, where we would run into problems. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you, you acknowledge that you do not accept emergency calls or sort of crisis calls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like Dr. Taylor, I think therapists kind of run a little bit of a spectrum with this that, yes, you know, there are certain even types of therapy where therapists or coaches, even in some cases could be um, on call, you know, as needed mm-hmm. for uh, a patient to use that type of support. But it's mm-hmm. also important for you as the patient to know that if you think that's the kind of support that you will want to be able to ask that question up front to see if your therapist is going to support that need mm-hmm. or if they're going to, you know, set that firm boundary up front of these are the only conditions in which you could call me outside of normal working hours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One thing, one question that I do have for you, and I think it really kind of started me off being like, this lady's boundaries are interesting. Mm. His call comes through on her personal cell. Yes. Do you have thoughts about that? Uh, yes, I sure, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> so in my current work context, I have the sort of like a Google voice set up. So people yeah. can get through to my personal cell phone, but they don't have my personal cell phone number, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that is a common practice for a lot of therapists because you know, there's there's a difference, obviously, between the sort of yeah. personal cell phone number or personal cell phone and a work mm-hmm. phone number or a work phone. But for, yeah. for a lot of therapists in private practice, that's sort of the only way to do it is to kind of have one phone, mm-hmm. especially if you're like Dr. Taylor and you work out of your home, which we can also yeah. talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, for me, I mean... Just the just the personal cell phone on its own, I don't see necessarily like a lot of huge problems with that. But it's the the way that the access is then used that I think is mm-hmm. the thing I'm concerned about. Yeah. That, you know, um, just sort of being clear for me, if I got that phone call from Eladio in the middle of the night, I would say, you know, hey, are, are you is this an emergency? You know, are you a danger to yourself or anyone else? Is this, you know, what, what's mm-hmm. going on? Um, and if it became clear that there was no, you know, what we might call life or death emergency, I would say, okay, it mm-hmm. sounds like this yeah. is something that maybe we can talk about in our next session, or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if you really need to call me during work hours or something, you know, let's do that tomorrow yeah. or let's, you know, use your yeah. skills that we've been working on or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the sort of firm boundary of this is not an appropriate time for us to be having this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And aside from answering that call and not checking in about the the emergency level of it, in that call, she calls him honey. That very first call that we start with. That's right. And I was just yep. like... I was like, what is she doing? (laughs) Like, so right off the bat, she has these questionable boundaries. And then we think, okay, it's going to be okay. She made a mistake because immediately during their, what we see as first telehealth session, which sounds like is actually their third session together. I think that's right. Yeah. She reviews the boundaries and Mm -hmm. she says like, I apologize that I didn't, you know, maintain them or set them up well. And so you think like, okay, good. She's aware that that wasn't great. And she's setting those boundaries. 
but then she almost makes it worse by setting the boundaries and then being like, never mind, they don't really exist. Well, right. And that's the that's the problematic dynamic between these two is that, you know, she attempts to set the boundaries and then he also reacts to that. You know, he starts yeah. talking about referrals or starts talking about medication. Uh-huh. And, you know, and, that, and this is this is something that definitely happens in a lot of therapeutic relationships where when a therapist does have to establish boundaries, whether it's when we can have phone call conversations or whether or not we can have those conversations at all. Mm-hmm. And if a patient's not comfortable with those boundaries, they might then become resistant, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, patients, ghost therapists, um, you know, mm-hmm. all these sorts of things can happen because patients and people are looking for certain things from that therapeutic relationship. And doesn't if it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they're getting that much like Eladio doesn't at times, they will then resist that or shut down. So I yeah. think Dr. Taylor experiences him shutting down and then uh, without overanalyzing, maybe questions or, or loosens her own boundaries to accommodate yeah. what his needs appear to be. Yeah. Well, she gets scared of losing her son again, right? Exactly and so she's right. like, no, no, yes. no, don't leave. I'm yes. sorry. Right? right? Yes, yes. And also, I think I know myself and a lot of my um, uh, colleagues kind of have this joke about when you have a really hard, vulnerable session with someone. of the time, and I may be overstating it, but I swear 50% of the time they cancel that next session. And there's always a very viable reason like, oh, I had a dentist appointment or sorry, I forgot I had this thing. And it's just so funny that this like weird coincidence that after a really hard session, oftentimes the next session is canceled. Yeah, it's that is interesting. It's it's, you know, I've I've opened up too much or this got really hard or I cried a lot or I got really upset or angry, you know, something what we might call like dysregulation happened. And that can be uncomfortable. That can be scary. And that can be like, oh, actually, this is not what I wanted to happen or not what I was looking to have happen in therapy. So then that becomes a resistance to that, you know, repeating. And I think that much like Eladio, it's not intentional, right? Like right. it's not, right. it's not, oh, that was hard or that pushed a button or that made me uncomfortable. I'm going right. to pull back conscious. now. Yeah. 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 I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's conscious at all most mm-hmm. of the time. And I know I've had sessions with patients where I've been like, oh, I just find it interesting. Every time we have a hard session, the next session, something happens to come up and them being like, no, no, I really did have a dentist appointment. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like I, Totally believe you. It's just interesting that you didn't mention the dentist appointment last week, you know, or you happen to forget each time or something like that. And it's not a judgment. And we all need our defenses. And I would never want to take those from someone. However, our job as a therapist is to reflect those, which Brooke eventually does with Eladio. She eventually says to him at some point, every time I would set a boundary, you would pull back. Mm-hmm. And so that's our job as a therapist is to kind of point out these are the patterns that you keep repeating that aren't getting you closer to what you want for yourself. Yeah, and and I, I want to come back to that sort of uh, you know the ultimate attempt on her part to refer him out and to sort of end that relationship in the fifth episode. But, you know, before we got to that point, you know, we we got through this process wherein, you know, I, I guess from Eladio's perspective, Dr. Taylor was, 
you know, explicitly in his mind, giving him advice, telling him what to do sort of with his life mm-hmm. and with his job specifically. Mm-hmm. So then he makes the decision to quit his job as a home health aide. Mm-hmm. The job, by the way, that, that actually set him up with therapy in the first place, which mm-hmm. I had forgotten, you know, apparently he, he just went into therapy for insomnia, like he just was having trouble uh-huh. sleeping. Um, and we kind uh-huh. of immediately lose that thread with the sort of depth of work that they're yeah. sort of getting into. Yeah, well, pretty early on, she says to him, yeah. um, I don't think your sleep issues are an independent issue. I think there's something deeper there. And so then they start kind of going into deeper stuff, which I think is kind yep. of how therapy happens sometimes. Like people oh, will come sure. in being like, for oh, sure. I had this breakup. And then it very quickly is not about the breakup and is about something else. Yeah. So that part is is, is a pretty standard uh, therapy experience in many ways. But we mm-hmm. start to see you know, as this sort of relationship shifts into uh, a lot of you asking questions like, what do I do with my life? And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking for your advice and sort of things like that. Um, so I think it, it's a good uh, a question I wanted to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how do you see the, the sort of therapist-patient relationship when it comes to advice giving? Yeah, um, I think as always, my answer is it depends. <laughs> um, of course. In general, I think it would fall on the like, don't do it side of things. Um, like, don't give advice as the therapist. However, there are certain, um, like, like if you're teaching skills, you can give advice. Or if you're teaching, if you're doing kind of like psychoeducation, there is some mm-hmm. sort of advice. So for instance, one of my absolute favorite things to teach about is sleep hygiene. Like I love teaching about sleep hygiene. So when he came in with sleep issues, I was like, fantastic. There's easy way to deal with sleep problems. Like she just needs to teach him. And then she's like, just try your breathing techniques. And I'm like, no, like nobody has (laughs) fallen asleep by breathing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which is so funny. So in those moments, like I would teach, um, about sleep hygiene, or sometimes I'll teach people like how their brain works or how their body works and how that totally. relates to panic attacks or something like that. Um, and in those moments, I would give advice in terms of, hey, if you get more sleep, your brain works better. But ultimately, my belief is then they get to decide whether they get more sleep or not. Absolutely. And I, and I guess that's where yeah. it's important, like, is that advice? I think sometimes when we're talking about advice, especially the times, the types of advice Eladio is asking for, uh-huh. that that's not, I think what you're talking about is is completely appropriate and is not necessarily, mm-hmm. I think when, when some people think about advice, it's sort of like, tell me what to do with my life is, is yeah. someone asking for advice. And that's totally. a much bigger, broader... Yeah. sort of issue than what I think you mm-hmm. and I are talking about, which is skills and education. Yeah. And, you know, obviously in in therapy, in many cases, what we're doing is offering a verbal prescription, right? Yeah. Here is something uh-huh. that you need to practice for the results that you want. You know, if we're not getting something medication, you can choose it's, to practice. Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. And just like people could choose to take their medication or not. Yeah think that's that's the way I try to frame it as mm-hmm. you know you leave here with a choice to to put into practice the things that we're talking about or not yeah yeah what I will often say to my patients when they kind of fish for advice is I'll say I see you one hour a week 
I can't give you yep. advice about your whole life. All I can do is talk to you about this approach to life and the way to think about your choices so that then you can make the most valued choice for you. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> I think therapists do have sort of their their individual answers to this question because no. I do think it comes up. Gosh, mine kind of falls into, you know, I, I tend to have a sense when people are asking for advice that they, they're looking for a, an easier way to come to an answer. Oh, yeah. They don't want to decide for themselves. Well, well, yeah, it's, it's, I think I know what I want, but it'd be easier mm -hmm. for you to tell me what I need to do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, and I think that's, that's a human condition. It's like, I'm a decision fatigue. It's like, can you just tell me what I need to do? I don't want to think about it anymore. Like I totally mm -hmm. understand and frankly relate to that sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, so then when people are asking me for advice though, I kind of, and this is like a very stereotypical therapist thing. It's like, you know, what would that be like for you if I had the answer, which I don't <laughs> pretend to have, but mm -hmm. if all of a sudden you and I could you know, all of a sudden this sort of like answer just came to us. Like, what would that be like? Wouldn't that be, I'm assuming that that that's kind of the miracle that you're looking for right now. And why mm. don't we have that, right? Why is it not clear what you should do? And we kind of navigate yeah. that uncertainty because that's really the, the obstacle, right? It's, I don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen if I try this thing that we've been talking about or this skill or this strategy. And, and yeah. I think dealing with that is a much more effective way of, of navigating that question of what should I do? Yeah, absolutely. And my answer is always, I don't know, what should you do? <laughs> well, well sure, I would not right, use the right. word should. I usually tell my patients, stop oh shitting yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All therapists hate, hate the should language. Uh, so yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I think you're right. Wanting that answer is wanting a sense of control. Yeah. And Certainty. obviously- yeah. Yeah. And from my perspective, the act perspective, it's a lot of like, you're not going to know the answer any of the time because the future is unknown. So all you can do is figure out the best decision for yourself now. And because I'm not you, I can't make that decision for you. Whereas I don't think that Brooke makes any like when he, when Eladio comes to her and says, like, I did what you told me, my immediate reaction was, wait, what does he think she told him? Because yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think he told him to do anything at any point. Um, however, that's very common. I have a, an ongoing joke with one of my patients where I say, if somebody says, my therapist said, that's absolutely not what their therapist said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So she has started telling her friends, what I understand my therapist has said is. Yeah. Or like my takeaway from the session was. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Yeah. Because, you know, it's that leap from and they sort of acknowledge how this dynamic comes out where it's like Dr. Taylor sort of says, like, you know, Eladio built a bridge from what their conversations were around mm -hmm. sort of content and quality of his job to what mm -hmm. we assume he wanted to do, which is to, to mm -hmm. leave that job. And he was pretty upset by that characterization because in his mind, she had been sort of laying the groundwork for him to make this decision. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the quotes that she has, and I'm, I don't remember it exactly, but it's essentially the most valuable insight is the one the patient can come to themselves. Mm. I think she was quoting somebody else in that episode. And he sort of, you know, rolls his eyes at that notion, like, mm-hmm. you know, that he's kind of that she's kind of playing games with him is I think the way mm-hmm. he kind of categorizes it. And and, you know, I think that's a frustrating thing for for any patient if it feels like a therapist or a doctor is sort of not being upfront with them, but is sort of trying to get them to come to the conclusion on their own, where it's like the same as the advice thing. It's like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what Mm -hmm. I need to know. Yeah. Because I think as therapists, we do have a sense sometimes of like the lesson we're wanting someone to learn, but we can't just necessarily Mm -hmm. spell it out. Like, here's the thing, here's what the breakthrough is going to look like five sessions from now, because that's just not how this works. Mm -hmm. I actually have two points in response to that. The first one, actually, interestingly enough, is by a teacher who uh, theoretically I didn't click very well with, but he made us watch the original in treatments for his class. And one thing that he once said is, kind of falls in with this advice thing where if you have an idea about what you want for your patient, you can't put that on them because you don't know their experience. And what kind of the the example that he gave is if they're in an abusive relationship and you're encouraging them to leave, you don't know that that's not the best relationship they've ever had. Mm. And just because it's a bad relationship to you does not yep. mean that it's a bad relationship to them. Right. Or, or and, they might know it's a bad relationship, but that doesn't automatically mean that that's a step that they're ready for or that it's yeah. necessarily a good thing for them to, you know, take that step now, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's why I really like the the values stuff mm-hmm. is because let's say someone decides to stay in, let's say, an abusive relationship. I'm thinking like they need to get out. But they might be thinking, I need to stay because of this value being met. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a house over their head. Maybe if they leave, they know that they'll get even more hurt, right? Yeah. Something like that. And and then if you as a therapist encourage them to leave and they lose those things or something worse happens, that's problematic because you don't know their life, Absolutely. right? So. So that's kind of one of those reasons why we can't make decisions for our patients because we don't know. All we can do is teach them how to make the decisions for themselves. And that's why the best insight is the insight that the, the patient comes to themselves, the, that quote that she said, which yep. kind of leads me to my other point. You said something about Eladio created this bridge to ultimately what he wanted to do which I think is a very lovely, positive way to talk about it. I think because her boundaries with him are so bad, we don't know that he would have gotten there on his own if the boundaries had been better. And I think that's where it is really a therapist's responsibility to maintain that professional space so that Mm -hmm. when they build those bridges, they're building them to their own desire rather than building them because of the countertransference. Because he fell into this mother-son thing with her and he had an understanding that she 
didn't like the family because he would say like, why do you use that tone when you talk about them? Yep. So maybe we don't know, but maybe he was like, oh, she wants me to leave. And he said in the second episode, I'm just trying to be a good boy. Right. So then maybe he leaves because he thinks it's what she wants. And that's where boundaries become really important is it makes it less likely that that kind of questionable insight decision making will pop up. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And this is the the point in their, you know, relationship where we're really seeing those boundaries blurred, right? I think even at yeah. one point in it was either the second to last or the last episode where they're yeah, they're experiencing this conflict and mm-hmm. And he comes out and he he just says, I think unintentionally, but honestly, I love you. Mm-hmm. And and what a decision point for a therapist and sort of how to handle that expression. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously you have someone who's very vulnerable mm-hmm. and maybe to a certain extent at this point in their relationship, dependent upon the sort of uh, support that's being offered, but mm-hmm. also it's becoming increasingly clear and that's what sort of leads to, to Dr. Taylor's decision that uh, this is no longer positively serving him, her patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but I love you statement is huge because in one of the earlier sessions, he speaks about how he falls in love really easily. And so yep. I wrote a note pretty early on that I was like, someone with a patient with relational issues such as falling in love easily and having abandonment concerns makes it even more important to have healthy boundaries with that patient. And he kind of says in that last session, like, see, we're perfect for each other. Like our shit fits together or whatever. He said like something like that. And yeah, in an unhealthy way, right? Like you need your therapist to just not fit enough to challenge those behavioral patterns that are not serving you. And they're definitely not serving him because he's, you know, falling in love with these people who obviously don't feel the same way back. Yeah. Or are inappropriate people to be falling in love with, right? His, the man that he works for, and then his Mm -hmm. therapist. Yep. Yeah. She eventually, like, like you said, at the end, offers him referrals and kind of says, oh, you know, wait, we need to break this off. But unfortunately, at that point, she's created so much damage that like abandoning him like that so suddenly actually hugely problematic. But then she also like lets him come back the next session. And I was like, lady, you are just reinforcing these hurtful patterns that he has. But then luckily, because the show is a TV show. <laughs> yeah. In that session, it allows them to get to a place of actually ending on a good note and ending in a healthy way so that he can learn how to say goodbye to someone without it feeling like an abandonment. Mm. Right. Recognizing for himself that the relationship's not healthy as opposed to uh, mm-hmm. him having to repeatedly tell him that was the case. Yeah. 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 It's. <laughs> It's it's hard to watch uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, those mm-hmm. last two episodes, not the you know initially the one of which was, and, and I know some therapists do this, but just having 
therapeutic relationships and having therapy occur in your living room, oh, in your personal no home, space. in your living yeah. room. Right. I know. So just so, so everyone knows, this is, I mean, in my experience, very rare. Yeah. I know therapists who have home offices that are yes. specifically locked or separate buildings even from their home mm -hmm. residence, whether it's like a garage thing or a back house thing. But or even a room downstairs that just has its own yeah. entrance. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But in the middle of her, like her oh bedroom's gosh. right there. And like, yep. I, I literally wrote not having boundaries between her living and therapy space. To me, that seems like it mirrors her lack of boundaries with him. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's, it makes you concerned about any other patients that she's bringing in there that, you know, in that first session where he, um, also the way he just kind of unexpectedly shows up at her house, pretty weird. Yeah. And then for it to go from there to, you know, them, they're starting off this session and he's just kind of wandering inside of her house. Mm -hmm. You know, they had never met in person before and he's just walking around looking at pictures on her wall and presumably steps away from her bedroom and and she's not following him. I'm not necessarily saying she should, but just like he shouldn't be there in the first place, I think yeah. is, is sort of how I felt about it. And man, for for like the ability to rein in a relationship like that where it was in the physical space that they were in it just mm -hmm. you know it was set up for for disaster in a lot of ways like I, I almost wasn't surprised that things got as intense as they did based on the sort of physical setting that she established for them yeah there was no structure at all to their sessions right like you said he showed up and she had a session or he called her in the middle of the night and she answered even when she was doing telehealth with him every single every single session I mean, that, well, that was like three episodes, <laughs> um, but yeah. she moved where she did it, which does not mm -hmm. matter ultimately. Like it in an, I, I move rooms and people will be like, you're in a different room. And I'll be like, yeah, I got bored of the other one. Yep. Wait, telehealth does offer that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely offers that, which is wonderful, right? If you need to yep. be more comfortable or something like that. Sure. However, that in, in this show, what it illustrates is even the most basic thing, like sitting at a desk or sitting in a couch that's like your therapy couch, she doesn't even offer him that kind of stability. And in one episode, he says to her, like, you confuse me. And so her lack of boundaries and lack of structure is actually destabilizing for him. He like doesn't know where he falls with her. And there are certain patients when you kind of start to recognize their behavioral patterns, you sometimes need to adjust the way you do things with them. I can, obviously, now that I need an example, I can't think of it. But for him, you know, her boundaries, first of all, needed to be much stronger. Of course. But she might yeah. have had to have had like stronger phone boundaries or mm -hmm. sat in the same place every time or something like that. But yeah, that like non-separation between literally her home and not yes. just like a side room of her home it's like the room in the middle of everything yeah that was destabilizing for me <laughs> yeah well and and so it brings up this other point for them specifically and also for you know therapeutic relationships broadly that of self-disclosure right so for someone to mm -hmm. walk for someone to be able to walk into your 
family's space. And in, in her case, this mm-hmm. is just her home. Right? I know she has a boyfriend, but he doesn't live there. Does he live there? No. No, he doesn't live there. So. No, right. And he's like not entirely her boyfriend either. Right. I know there's there's a guy <laughs> at one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a man. <laughs> There's a man. And, you know, he kind of walks around like, oh, like, I don't see any pictures of your family, no kids. And it's like, those are common questions that a patient might ask a therapist, sort of like personal wanting to get to know you questions. Mm -hmm. But it's one thing for a question to be asked without sort of physical context in the space to like Mm -hmm. trigger those questions and to trigger more detailed examples of those questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of a joke with my patients in telehealth now, but I'm I'm in a very blank space, mm-hmm. not hardly anything on my walls. Um, it's not even very colorful, so I I, I feel more pressure to wear colorful shirts, otherwise I can <laughs> blend into the chair and the the walls. But then the other space that I do therapy in is is uh, occasionally my living room, and of course when no one's home and it's you know still uh-huh. you know uh, appropriate to do so. And in mm-hmm. that space, it's a bright green wall and a uh-huh. big painting, and you can see a picture of my daughter, and it's like a completely different view of me, and mm-hmm. and that elicits naturally a different response from people. And I think mm-hmm. you know it, it it makes me aware, but it's I think it's also something that you know therapists in general we we are very intentional about mm-hmm. the space that we try to create. At least most of us are, you know, for uh-huh. our patients. And this was such yep. a glaring example to me of as soon as he's there and and I guess I kind of wonder this like if she knew he was coming over would she have I don't know would she have done something different to make that a a more obviously uh, boundary included space like I would hope so but so yeah as someone who cheated and watched other episodes the answer is okay good yeah Okay, I know. Right, so she regularly does therapy there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a in another session, she says, basically, like, oh yeah, because of COVID, I no longer see people at my office, but luckily I have this space that I can see people in. That space being her living room. So she doesn't usually <laughs> do it in her living room, right, right. but she basically is like, oh, COVID, now you do it in my living room, but. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's going to be something much grander than a pandemic in order to have me just invite people into the middle of my home for therapy yeah yeah and i'm pretty like self-disclosure about like myself well, yeah so i was gonna ask you sort of how in general how you feel about that yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I like disclose about myself in general kind of the stuff that i disclose on here sure. which is like i like ultimate frisbee i like comedy things like that where like the neighborhood that i live in and things like that i absolutely don't tell anyone unless they also live in that neighborhood. And I have to be like, hey, I know we do telehealth, but just to let you know, we may run into each other because we live in right. the same neighborhood. Yep. Things like that. I but then I'll say the same thing of, you know, we live near each other. We live um, very close to each other. We frequent a lot of the same places or something like that. I won't give like very specific things. And to be totally honest, partly I that I think that's because you have to be so careful about what you disclose, because again, you don't know what those things mean to that person. And for me as a woman, I also want to be more safe, right? Like I don't sure. want to be yeah. giving, like for Eladio and Brooke, that could have become an unsafe situation. He literally just showed up at her house. Now, mm-hmm. luckily the, the patients that she has well, there's one that is potentially questionable, but 
she doesn't have to worry about them in that way. But that's a reality for therapists is occasionally you have patients that you have to be concerned about for safety. And so, yeah, being really thoughtful about that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's sort of, and I guess, and this is sort of like one of the big questions I talked with you about, um, sort of wanting to, to get to, as we ask these bigger questions, you know, specifically about the show, but also, you know, maybe we'll sort of do this on our show more regularly, which is Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, what is this show and particularly in terms of this relationship, you know, saying about mental health, like what, what takeaways Mm -hmm. would we as therapists kind of, you know, have based on how they, you know, show this therapeutic relationship. And obviously it will differ with some of Dr. Taylor's others. Yeah, absolutely. I think personally, what this is saying about mental health is more about the therapist than the mental health, which is a therapist has a, an ethical and a professional responsibility to their patients to be aware of themselves and the role that they play in therapy. She creates 100% of the problems in this. And the reason why I say 100% is because it's her responsibility to maintain the boundaries. And as Mm -hmm. soon as she doesn't, she has now basically said to him, given him permission to do whatever he wants within the relationship. And so I think what it has said about mental health as a whole is that we as therapists are humans and we also have emotional reactions. And when we have those, we need to be really careful about them and we need to be really thoughtful about them. And because we can actually be damaging for our patients. And this is a show, so it like wrapped it up nicely in a boast that she wasn't damaging for him. But I think in reality, she would have been hugely damaging for a patient like this. No question. I mean, just the way that that last episode ends, you know, she excuses herself, leaves him in her living room to mm-hmm. go basically close herself in, I don't know, was it the bathroom or the her bedroom? They never like showed what room it was. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's she's in a different physical space, leaving him alone in her home. And just the way they portrayed it, I mean, and look, and this is this was the dynamic at this point, but like, you know, she's got her hand on the door and he's on the other side of the door oh, and now he's opening up again. And it's like, wow, they, you know, this <laughs> this relationship really culminated in everything it was sort of building up to where it's like, yep, yeah, we all agree that this is not good for either one of them at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great that they both learned that. Mm-hmm. And what was really funny about that was that was the first time she just like shut up and let him work through mm-hmm. his stuff. And that was when he like came to the healthy conclusion. That was the most effective thing, right? Is yeah. silence. How about that? You yeah. know, don't answer the phone at midnight, you know, don't, uh, yeah. you know, don't call 20 times. Just yeah. let, let him, let him feel his yeah. feelings. Yeah. Yep. She literally created a boundary, right? She mm-hmm. put a door yep. between them. That's she kept right. her mouth shut and she kept her feelings to herself. Yep. And, and separate from him. Right. So, yes, you know, like, she didn't keep her feelings to herself and let, well, she kind of let them affect him because she had been already. But, but yeah, once she has this boundary and like physical boundary um, and emotional boundary, he finally came to a really healthy place. And it's like, well, if you had done that all along, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have had to deal with all of this, but then we wouldn't have had a show. 
That's right. <laughs> right. And I think that's that's the other part of the thing. And I think if I pulled out any themes from this, it was, you know, either A, like, are therapists okay? Which is basically the thing that a lot of, <laughs> you know, pop culture does with therapists and doctors. It's like, oh, not only are they human, but they're like troubled. And there are things that, you know, that they're going mm-hmm. through in their life, which also mm-hmm. affect their work. And look, obviously, that happens in real life. Mm-hmm. No question about that. But we get obviously the the sort of heavily dramatized version with this. And the yeah. other was, you know, a little bit of, of uh, fear of the sort of damaging, potentially damaging effects of telehealth. Um, I think, you know, especially <laughs> maybe when this was filmed, it was like, oh, no, telehealth. Is this going to be a weird, not good thing for the field? I think a lot of people were asking those questions. And, you know, for me personally, having done telehealth for over a year and a half now, I've grown quite fond of it. I I think, you know, the problem that you identified before of, you know, people calling out or being less likely to, to, you know, follow through when things are getting really hard. There are less reasons to call out when you can Uh do your session from your bedroom or your Uh bathroom or your car. Uh So I think there are a lot of, a lot of benefits to that. And I I hope that for people that have gotten used to it and, and found some benefit from it, that it's not a scary thing. And hopefully it's also not a thing that negatively affects boundaries, but that can actually, you know, positively affect the sort of ways we have insight into each other's lives. So, so one moment where they have, that's a really like wonderful moment is he takes the like fake background away and she sees the room that he's in and that opens up a narrative about him literally being in Jeremy's space and also like Mm -hmm. how they treat Jeremy, right? Like kind of as a child. So there are a lot of wonderful things that can come from teletherapy. I know a lot of OCD patients are getting a lot of help because they're getting um, exposure at home. So like they're getting exposure at places that they actually need exposure, which is wonderful. And you can actually do practice in the space that you are living in. Yeah. Yeah. I love teletherapy. Like some of my kiddos will see me from school in the counselor's office Mm -hmm. through telehealth because, and they don't have to leave school right before that would take, it would be a two hour thing because they'd have to come see me for an hour and then go back. So I actually can see more teenagers because there's more time slots. It's not just the Mm -hmm. after school time slots and people can see me on their lunch hours. And I think telehealth is wonderful. I love it. And then obviously there are the hard parts, right? Like he had to put the music up really loud to create some, right. Yes. Yes. Some white noise. I just suggest to people get some wave sounds on Spotify or YouTube and put that by the door. Mm -hmm. That works just as well. And you know, the problem where he just cut her off, like that's problematic. Um, Also, if she was that worried about him, that she was calling him a million times, she should have just called 911 or his emergency contact. She should not have been calling him a hundred times, but we've already discussed all that. Um, But I agree. (laughs) Like, I think there's a lot of benefits to telehealth and it's definitely here to stay. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the field has been forced into the, the dynamic in which this is now uh, has to be an option, basically, for, for people mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully that's a, a good, good change. So, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. So let's do some reviews. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. we'll continue to talk about Dr. Taylor. But for this particular relationship dynamic, mm-hmm. Haley, on a, on a scale of... Um, 
let's say, you know, one to five obscure pop culture references, which it felt <laughs> like they really enjoyed giving each other. Like all philosophy, yeah. Yes, philosophy and Broadway and other things kept coming <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, You know, how, uh, I'll, I'll let you do how accurate do you feel like this was to, you know, your garden variety therapeutic relationship? Yeah. Um, I... So I'm going to clarify how I'm rating this. I would yes, say it's a yes, four. Yes. Yeah, I would say it's a four for a therapist who's not doing what they should be doing, which does. Right. In other happen. words, this does happen in real life. Yes. 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 So, do I think that this is what people should expect from therapy? No. In that sense, it's a negative four. <laughs> right. Um, yes. However for therapeutic relationships that go badly and that go sour, I think that this was a very accurate description of kind of like how that can happen. Yep. So yeah. So for philosophical, obscure <laughs> pop culture references, as for you on a scale of one to five, absolutely killer power suits. Cause this woman's got oh, fashion and I love it. Yes. And I'm so jealous of it. <laughs> so one to five wonderful power suits. How entertaining did you find her back and forth with Eladio? Yeah, so I have to say I I love Eladio as a character. I think Anthony Ramos is an incredible actor. And, you know, I think the story that they established for him was really good. Um, mm -hmm. And there were absolutely moments of their six episodes together that were absolutely riveting. Mm -hmm. But overall, big picture, and I acknowledged, I think, you know, weeks ago when we tried to record this, I, I, I fell asleep. And that might have been on me. I was, you know, watching <laughs> late at night. And, you know, and I think it's also probably something to do with the fact that I'm I'm a therapist and, you know, watching watching therapy for entertainment is different than it might be for someone who's not. Mm -hmm. But that's why I probably for me, it falls like a 3.5. It was, there were moments where it, I was absolutely, uh, as I said, riveted. And then there were moments where mm -hmm. I was just like, oh man, these two really need to figure their stuff out. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's where I landed is sort of, yeah. sort of middle, middle high. Yeah. Yeah. I like the reason we, one of the reasons why we are therapists is because we love people's stories and they created yes. a great story, but also it was like, Oh, come on. This is like so dramatic. <laughs> um, yes, it yes. was like, it was like not quote unquote real enough because she was screwing up so much. Right. Yeah. But also like not, not. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be clear, um, this whole series is incredibly well acted. Dr. Taylor, played by Uzo Aduba, and Eladio, as I said, played by Anthony Ramos. Like, incredible acting across the board. Yeah. And I think we we do, it for us, it kind of comes down to story. And at moments, this yeah. story was, was really interesting. And I think at moments, it was just kind of problematic and just kind of like, yeah. ugh cringy, eye-rolling kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but that's okay. That's why there's lessons in it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we might notice is at, so at the end of the four weeks, what we'll do is we'll also look back and rate the whole thing because the way that um, you and I listened to it or watched it was we skipped episodes between and we only watched a audio. And so part of the reason why we might not be 
as invested in the narrative is because we are actually missing pieces of the narrative at this time. So at the end of our four weeks, we can maybe look back and be like, oh, with the whole story together, I was actually more invested. Maybe. Who knows? Oh, that's what was going on. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe. If, if we have yeah. a Yeah. <laughs> or well, we'll just be like, it, yeah, no, 3.5 across the board. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And, and if that's the case, yeah. and, and we'll have, we'll you know, and I think that's the balance, right? Because there are things that are definitely more dedicated to being entertaining that happen to have mental health components. And there are things like mm-hmm. this that are dedicated to portraying the the sort of raw realness of, of mental health and therapy that mm-hmm. are going to be a little bit more hit or miss on the entertainment scale. I think that needs to be okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep yeah, at I it. Agree. And I hope you all out there are happy to go along for the ride with us. So yeah, so we have at least um, three more episodes that we'll talk through within treatment. Looking forward to it, and then we'll we'll have some new stuff coming. Haley, I don't know if you watched White Lotus. There are a whole lots of other. I don't know why I'm on an HBO kick recently, but there's a lot of good stuff out there that we may have to yeah. pick up in the fall. I thought for sure you were going to throw another Marvel at me. Oh right, because we haven't done Loki. We did Loki. We well, did no, not do Loki. Been... We did not do Loki? No. Oh, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah, I, we I, totally I did, did it, I did it on my own. I did it on my <laughs> own in my funny. head. All right, That's well. That's so funny. There we well, go. Well, I wasn't even thinking about doing Loki, and then I visited my brother, and he's like, I love Loki. And I was like, okay, I'm going oh, to have to so do funny. it. That's so funny. Well, we, we, we might. I mean, there's not as much obvious stuff about it, but that's not necessary. Okay. We like to have fun with the, the Marvel stuff anyway. So, so yeah, funny. so definitely pay attention on Instagram and social media. I even posted one of our, our episode clips uh, on TikTok. So we are all over yeah. the social media world. And uh, definitely appreciate when you guys reach out. So keep an eye out for what's coming next. So please follow us there at poppsych101. And we'll speak at you guys soon.